Welcome to the Science of Work podcast, where I, Dr. Lisa Belanger, take a deep dive into the habits, skills, work design, and leadership behind global trends in today's workforce. Really interesting, repeated offender on this podcast and in my daily work as I deal with proactive mental health and performance at work is the research and conversation around gratitude. In an unintentional follow-up to last week's episode of Happiness at Work, where we talked extensively about gratitude, I'm digging deeper. How is being grateful able to drive everything from job satisfaction to a power tool to prevent burnout to a unique phenomenon where both the receiver and the giver receive remarkable benefits to their well-being? We'll dig deep into creating meaningful habits and practices of gratitude. Today, I'm talking to Steve Ferran, who is a recovering electrical engineer turned entrepreneur as his dreams to create 1 billion happier people through his company, Gratitude at Work. It is a simple initiative. Being more grateful can lead to thriving leadership and company growth. He's the author of Surviving to Thriving, The 10 Laws of Grateful Leadership which has received accolades from Greater Good Science Center and Inc. Magazine. Arguably the most important and interesting thing about him is that he is born and still lives in my hometown of Halifax, Nova Scotia. So let me be the first to say thank you so much for listening to today's episode as we dive into gratitude at work. The Science of Work podcast is brought to you by the Qantas School of Business and Technology. Quantic's highly selective online MBA and executive MBA are designed with interactive micro lessons and individualized feedback every eight seconds. Experience the future of education. Go to quantic.edu slash science of work for more. There has been extensive research on gratitude, specifically at work. An editorial by Crook in 2019 does a great job talking about the benefits that are in this literature. Expressing gratitude can create greater happiness and optimism, higher self-esteem, more kindness and empathy, even in the face of negativity from others. More positive emotions, less depression, better physical health, stronger relationships, improved ability to deal with hardship or resiliency. Some of the specific benefits to the workplace can be things like greater job satisfaction, more positive relationships with colleagues, greater motivation, less burnout, less stress. And in within healthcare organizations, it'll lead to better patient care. And in organizations that have clients, it'll lead to better client care. In a study also in 2019 by Kamose Al, the intervention was a three-week gratitude program in Japanese workers. The study was three weeks long and had 145 participants. Intervention was a single session workshop with participants invited to write and send gratitude lists three times per week for three weeks. Outcomes were measured at baseline and then immediately after the intervention at six weeks. Results showed no improvement in work engagement, which was the primary outcome, but did find significant improvements in the feeling of gratitude, self-efficacy, so confidence, psychological distress, and job performance. In 2020, Adara all had a single exposure gratitude intervention for healthcare workers. So a one-time letter writing intervention to improve healthcare workers' well-being. 
There was over 1,500 participants. The outcomes that they measured were emotional exhaustion, which is actually one of the key factors in burnout, subjective happiness, and then work-life balance. Significant improvements of all three outcomes were shown after just one week. There's many things that companies can do to express gratitude that leaders can do, that you can do. We'll definitely talk to Steve about some of them. One of the most notable companies that you hear a lot about is Southwest Airlines. They've really built a culture of gratitude and do things like recognition walls. And we'll see how that can kind of translate to the virtual world. We're going to jump right in and talk to Steve about workplace gratitude. First, what I think is so interesting is gratitude has come up so much this year in this season of the podcast for different topics. And then in my day-to-day work, as I like start diving into burnout, I was working with some physicians and they talked about receiving gratitude and the power of that. So just to get us started, what exactly is gratitude? Three things have to come together. We need to receive something that we perceive as a value. Two, whoever you received it from, there was a cost to it to them. They sacrificed, or at least we have to make sense of it that way. And three, no strings attached. At least you feel that. So Mm -hmm. I received something of value. Lisa, you sacrificed to give it to me. You don't want anything in return. Boom. I get this feeling inside that other people are out there conspiring in my favor. I love this definition. You know what? I'm going to say, why does it matter generally? And then putting that into a work context. One, you feel a lot better. Like when we experience gratitude, psychologists would say that we are in a positive emotional state. And two, very practically, when we are in a positive emotional state, we get access to the executive function in our brain. Because when you and I go to a negative emotional state, you effectively turn it off and the the amygdala is in control. We need the prefrontal cortex, that part of your brain that controls critical thinking, decision-making, moderates your behaviors when someone cuts you off in traffic. That critical thinking piece, creativity, that's why I think very practically We need it as individuals, but in business, it's more important than ever. And you just look at the last 18 months. You look at the last 20 years, all the change that's happened. To be able to navigate that successfully, you need to be able to get there. And so gratitude helps get you in that positive emotional state. Like we are all knowledge workers now for the most part, right? So we are using that executive function. We need it. This is a sentence that's ringing in my head right now where it's just, you cannot be cynical and grateful at the same time. So if you are able to choose that gratefulness, that gratitude, you're getting yourself out of that negative cynical loop, which is one of the many reasons it's so great to help mitigate burnout and some of the negative effects from that. You can't be happy and sad in the exact same moment. You're one or the other. And so gratitude is one of those things that takes you away from that feelings of anxiousness, anxiety, entitlement, complacency, stress. And I think the thing that some people will think is that it's just like putting on rose-colored glasses and pretending the crap doesn't exist. It's anything but that. Because that executive function in your brain that you were talking about, that's what we need most when we're confronted with all the challenges that can be before us. 
you started a company in 2007, Gratitude at Work. Why did you start it? What inspired that? In 1995, if you could imagine this well-dressed guy on a street corner in Halifax, great city, by the way, isn't it? Amazing. Mentally berating a panhandler who asked him for some spare change. To today, that same guy, when I'm on the street corner and someone asked me for change, I've got a policy. You're going to get some or all of what I've got in my pocket. I had something that I experienced that made me put this policy in place. What I discovered, you can use it to lead thriving teams, to lead thriving organizations. I just came to this realization that it was as if my life was handed to me on a silver platter. Can I tell you a little story about my kids? Because that's how I discovered it. Yes, absolutely. Dogs and kids stories are always appreciated. Okay. <laughs> so they're, I don't know, 15 at the time, maybe. First job, neighborhood coffee shop. They're working five, six, seven hours a week, minimum wage. In five months, our son, Nick, he's amassed more wealth than half of the world's population. And I'm looking at him thinking, buddy, you didn't do this. But really, I'm talking to myself. This 1995 Steve standing in the corner berating people thinking, you want, you want money? Go out and earn it. It was like I had no empathy. I just had the belief that I was this self-made man and realizing right. my life was handed me on a silver platter. This is early 2000s. I'm in grad school. I'm going to do some research on this. I research gratitude. It's connection to giving, serving, helping others. When I finish, I look my wife in the eyes. I said, "Hun, I think I got to start doing this full time. Yeah. And in late 2006, I started doing it full time. In 2007, I worked more than full time and I got paid very part time. <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked about this extensively on the podcast. Like I said, I talk about it all the time on different lectures and keynotes and workshops that I do. But there's always a few people in the room that feel like it's fluffy. What would you say to those people that are doubtful or just don't see it as being concrete business advice? I was at a gym. This guy approaches me, says, Steve, I don't know if you remember me. I was in one of your training sessions. You do the gratitude stuff. And I remember it because at the end of it, I said, that guy really is passionate about what he does, but I don't think this is for me. I give everyone a journal, Lisa. And he said, a couple of years later, I ran into hard times. And I remembered that journal. I remembered that talk you gave. And I said, I want to give it a try. Within two weeks, it was a game changer in my life. And I just want you to know that. I can't tell anyone, you should be grateful. I can only own it for myself. And hopefully that message for each of us, we are going to receive it when our time is right. And so for, you're right. There's that person who's going to be there with their arms crossed. I can't convince anyone else, but really, I think we just take people on journeys. We tell our own stories. Like it's the same thing. Yeah. If you've got a colleague at work that isn't great, don't tell them they should be grateful. Just help them understand your journey and how gratitude has helped you. And I mean, the data is so supportive of gratitude influencing in every study, at least some of the markers, whether that be job satisfaction or happiness or any of the multitude of things that it can influence. And right now it's this small, seemingly cost 
free way that we can make our workplace that much better. Being able to offer moments of gratitude. You talked about the journal, which I'm preaching that like crazy self-reflection, gratitude, self-confidence, using that journal when at all possible. But what are some other ideas, tips and tricks, systems to set up so it is habitual or that you are integrating it into these, whether it be meetings or other things that your company does? What each of us should have is a habitual ritual. There are two things that I really encourage. One, record a list of what you're grateful for. Get your physical sense involved with it because that improves, strengthens the neural pathways and the connections. You get gooder at being grateful when you do that. The second element of the habitual ritual that I want to encourage you to take on, and I found this by accident, consume other people's gratitudes. Or listen to what other people are grateful for. It helps me take perspective on my life because of what I'm seeing in someone else talk about what it is for them. And I don't judge or compare, but it just helps me reevaluate what I have. And and so this idea of consuming other people's gratitudes, I tripped into it actually about eight years ago, accidentally, I signed up for someone's gratitude blog. And I was just like, I'm going to systematize this. We got to make this a practice. I do it every day. What we do in my household especially over the pandemic. I mean, we did it, but sporadically before. And then over the pandemic, my husband and I say three things we're grateful for before we go to bed. And there's some days that I'm having a bad day and I'm like, nothing. And then slowly push to be able to grab onto things. And it's totally a mindset changer to be able to to do that and to listen to his. And now with our five-year-old before he goes to bed, it's one thing he's grateful for. They're really small, but powerful practices to kind of end your day with. By doing that with your husband, you're consuming and you're like speaking them out loud. I always encourage record. When you speak, you're getting another sense involved besides just thinking about it. So that's awesome. It is. And when you get a child's perspective, it's so wonderful. You might get a lot of Paw Patrol, but still... Um, There is an exponential amount of Paw Patrol, but it's an incredible thing to get into because some days, of course, he's like, I don't know. And then you push him a little bit. There's always something. The other thing I do with my team at work is we have thank you Thursdays. And the idea is just a quick text message if that's all the time you have or an email or a handwritten note just to say thank you to somebody for something. And of course, it'd be better if it was random and right away. And But at least this is just this trying to create a ritual or a, a meaningful habit of doing that. And nobody's ever been mad about getting a thank you email. It's about being intentional and it has to be genuine. You know, a simple way in meetings that you can do both of these habits of recording, consuming, start a meeting, go around the table. What are you grateful for? And you can mix that up. What are you grateful for about someone on the team? No one gets picked twice. Whoever starts, they can't get picked till the very end. And the team just goes around and edifies and builds each other up. Powerful. It is. And it's an amazing, again, way to like mindset shift, get that started in really great condition for the rest of the meeting. Speaking of that, what are things we can do as leaders to bring gratitude in? And why is it important for leaders to do that all the time, but especially right now? If you have a responsibility about 
creating and maintaining a culture where people are going to thrive. So think of psychological safety and confidence mm -hmm. and everything that's involved in creating a culture like that. Like the guy on the street corner in 1995 berating people and judging them, that type of person is not going to be the leader who is going to create a culture where people are going to thrive. And mm -hmm. gratitude, when you embrace that as a leadership skill, and I believe it's a leadership skill, you recognize and honor your own greatness and that your success is interconnected to the success of others. So I want you as a leader talking about what you're grateful for, because sometimes leaders say, well, I don't want to brag. Don't frame your gratitudes as benefits to yourself, because those three things have to come together. I find it valuable. It costs somebody else, and there's nothing in return. Frame your gratitudes in terms of the sacrifices other people make. That is a powerful way to frame gratitudes. I could say, I'm grateful to be on your show because I'm going to get all this exposure. Benefit to me. I'm grateful, Lisa, you put your social capital on the line. You took a risk by inviting me on this podcast. This is your reputation. I am so thankful for that. See, same thing I'm grateful for, but when I express it in those terms, and when you can tap into it as a leader, your people are going to get that. And they're going to think that way. And that's going to help your people be other-focused and not self-focused. The Science of Work is brought to you by the Quantic School of Business and Technology. Quantic's highly selective NBA and executive NBA are designed with interactive micro lessons and individualized feedback every eight seconds. Experience the future of education. Go to quantic.edu slash science of work for more. With leadership and with gratitude, what I find is when things get really challenging and they're in survival mode themselves, they forget to slow down enough to express. They might feel like they may be like, oh, I'm so thankful for this, but they forget to write that email or express that. Are there tips and tricks you can provide for leaders to make sure that they are able to do that, to slow down and express that? I'm kind of curious to hear what you do for this as well, too. So I'll tell you a few things I do. You can set up a repeating appointment in your calendar to remind yourself to do this. What I do when I go into negative thinking, and I go into negative thinking every single day, as soon as I catch myself, I just do a little chest. And it just, it's like it snaps my brain out. And what I found since I started doing this, I catch myself quicker. And so as a leader, if you find yourself, you start going into imagining what's happening or you get an email from an important client. I need to talk to you right away. Oh my goodness. What do, hey, maybe they want to do some more work with us, right? Just change that mindset because that lowers us and it puts us into survival mode. So it's about being aware of when we go into survival mode and getting out of it. How about you? What kind of things do you do? I'm kind of curious. Well, the last one that you identified really is it's the story in which we tell ourselves, getting one of those emails saying, you know, we really need to talk. First of all, don't send those. Those are really mean. But as a receiver, you can tell yourself they might want to do more work with us. You can tell yourself it's something quite neutral. They're just letting you know the Christmas party is Tuesday, or right. you can tell yourself that it's 
bad. And this is going to be a stressful conversation. You actually have no idea. And you have that ability to choose, but to your point, you have to catch yourself to be able to switch those narratives. But so much of our stress is a story we tell ourselves. And when you realize that, and you also realize that you can snap yourself out of it, you can change that narrative. It becomes really powerful. I love that, that like sensory cue to kind of snap yourself out of it. I often, because of the work I do and the team and how we work together, I am speaking so we can help each other out. Or, and then give another option to the story. And uh, my husband and I do this all the time. And we tend to try to like challenge ourselves on what the other story could be and how ridiculous it can be. But that's what we're doing internally, right? I do like the idea of, and again, I'm going to repeat this phrase, like you can't be cynical and grateful at the same time. So if you are going down these routes of starting to see that you're approaching everything with a level of cynicism, particularly in work, you can start prompting yourself before I go into that meeting, I'm going to stop and say two things I'm grateful for, or being able to do a practice like that just sets that mind in the right place to have a productive conversation versus starting with this already this level of pessimism or cynicism that doesn't help anybody. It doesn't. And if you are in physical dire danger, it's probably going to help you, isn't it? But we don't live with saber-toothed tigers anymore, though, do we, right? So I don't find that it serves me well. It's certainly something that's biologically there, but I think it's something we're all suffering from, which makes me go to my next question. So I do a lot of burnout workshops, and we talk about it being a contagion. It is something that once somebody's burnt out, other people are more likely to be burnt out around them in their vicinity. Gratefulness and happiness are contagions too. So we have this really great effect of these habits and these behaviors that it's not even just good for us. It's good for the people around us. But in this virtual world, we have to be a little bit more conscious of doing these things. Are there any examples of companies that you've seen doing different practices, gratitude walls, whatever it is? And have you seen anything in this virtual space? The nice thing about the virtual space is you can bring people together from different areas, like teams that aren't physically in the same spot. We can bring them in the same place and you can do training. You can have meetings, you can incorporate gratitude and clients of mine, this is what they're doing. And, you know, we talk about how, oh, well, virtual, it's not the same. I don't know, Lisa, if you've ever gone to a movie and walked out of the movie bawling your eyes out because you were so emotionally engaged in this story that was happening in the movie. That's kind of virtual, isn't it? And the thing is, it's pre-recorded and you know it and it's made up and we still totally emotionally get connected. So this thing about virtual, we can do it. I think it's, again, it's one of those stories that we can tell ourselves, oh, because we can't meet face-to-face, we're not going to be able to do these things. Well, if that's the story that I'm telling myself, that's the reality that I'll bring about for my team. So I think it's just about changing it. You can bring people together, do trainings on gratitude. I've got clients, they've got their own internal recognition apps where employees can do, you know, thank yous. I just saw today, Teams has thank you badges and appreciation badges built into it. Did you know that? I did not. You can create your own badges and you can give people points and recognition. So it's like having a gratitude wall. 
I've got clients that they set up gratitude buddies. So like you and your husband tell each other gratitudes, let's 30 days text one gratitude to your gratitude buddy every day. Lisa, if we were gratitude buddies and it was nine o'clock on Thursday night and you hadn't heard from me, you're going to reach Steve. Great dinner with my husband tonight. How about you? Is everything okay? These people get to know each other. I love that one. Well, thank you so, so much. Is there anything else you want to talk about in regards to gratitude at work? We've got a community. It's called 1 Billion Happier People. You're free to join it. You can record your gratitudes there. You can consume gratitudes there. And I've given Lisa a link, so it'll be in the, in the show notes so you can join us there. There's so many things we can do for free to cultivate gratitude in the workplace. Regardless of if this feels not as concrete or like, yeah, sure, gratitude's good. Right now with the great resignation, with everything that's happening with people leaning out of the workplace, as in decreased work engagement, these small little things can make a big difference in bringing people back in, getting them leaning forward, and certainly just improving their day. A couple key things that come out of the literature on what people can do to cultivate gratitude is start at the top. Employees need to hear thanks from leadership. Expressing gratitude can make people feel safe and valued. Thank people who never get thanked. Public appreciation, for example, of administration or cleaning staff, make their contributions visible, improves morale, and increases trust. Our companies don't operate without these people. Quality, not quantity. Don't force people. Don't even force it on yourself. As Steve said, make it genuine. While you can set reminders and prompt yourself, make sure that the expressions of gratitude are coming from a very authentic place. And then within your teams, making it so that your team feels like they can foster voluntary expressions of gratitude. Provide lots of opportunities. Allow people to express gratitude in different ways. It could just be public recognition on a chat service you use. There could be a gratitude wall and make it more formal, whether that's virtual or real. In the wake of a crisis, in those really difficult, stressful times, take time for Thanksgiving. Cultivate a gratitude culture that may help the workplace prepare and recover from conflict, change, and failure. Think about the last couple of years and how much we can really dive into this. Practicing gratitude, and I said it, I think, three times in the interview, but you cannot be cynical and grateful at the same time. This is a tool you have to shift mindset for yourself and for others. I want to genuinely thank you for listening to the Science of Work podcast. A simple mission that we had to provide information to allow leaders to make data-informed decisions at work has slowly turned into how to have a better day at work based on science, which I love. And this is not possible without you turning in, leaving feedback, and small notes of encouragement. So thank you. A special thanks to Steve for being here for this conversation and for my team behind the scenes that make this whole thing possible by research and audio. For full transcripts and sources, please visit ConsciousWorks.com. Remember, consciously design your day or somebody else will.